Um, Pastor John uh, is, is giving the message today, and uh, he asked me to do communion. And uh, communion for me is a uh, is an emotional, not an emotional like I'm, I'm I'm weepy. It's an emotional time because I remember the first time I took communion when I understood what it meant more than him breaking bread with his friends. It. I remember when it when I realized that he had a relationship with those disciples. And he did this knowing that they didn't understand what was going on. You know, the presenting the bread and the and the and the and the wine. So I do get excited about it and it's just an amazing thing what our Lord and Savior did through Jesus. So um, to stay on task, I'm going to present the elements and a, and a, and, a, and and read it from uh, the way we do it normally because I'll get way off uh, because this is such an exciting time for me and these words pin it down so well. So, for those that are visiting us for the first time, we have communion cups that sit in the chair holder in front of you uh, that has a cellophane over it and you peel that back and then remove the wafer, and underneath that is how you get to the, the grape juice. Um, so I don't mind if you start pre-peeling right now because um, it does take some time and to navigate. It took us a few weeks to figure it out. So um, on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he took bread. He gave thanks to his father. He broke it gave it to his disciples and said, Take this, all of you, and eat, for this is my body, given to you for forgiveness of your sins. Then, when the supper had ended, he took a cup, again, offering thanks to his father, and gave the cup to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink, for this is the cup of my blood the blood of the new and everlasting covenant shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Whenever you eat of this bread or drink of this cup, do so and remember me. His body given to you. His blood freely given to you. What an amazing God we serve. Pastor John? Like I said, some took two weeks. Some are on nine months. Well, for the third time, good morning. How are we this morning? Good. Mm. Can we get some lights on so I can see people out there? Or is that something we're not supposed to do? Yeah, that's good. 
with just these two, I couldn't see anyone out there, and preaching to myself is no fun. We're in the, we have started a series called I Love My Church. Last week, Jeff did it on the presence of prayer. And this morning, we're going to explore the church being a place of his presence. Now, let me, before I get over emotional, say, I love this church. And there are a lot of reasons for it. But the biggest one is everyone who comes here earnestly desires God and the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to look at today. Um, we're going to look at what does it mean to be a place of his presence? What does it look like to be a place of his presence? And is that important? We're going to start off with what does it mean? And forgive me, but as I age, my, my eyeballs age more than I do, so I've got to pick this up to look at it. First and foremost, to say we love our church, because when, when we come here, God meets us here. We feel God's presence. But wait a minute. Isn't God omnipresent? Isn't God everywhere, all the time? And if we have any questions on that, look at Psalm 139, and I'm going to start at verse 7. Now, originally I was going to ask people to open their Bibles and read this to us, but then I came to realize that those people online would not hear what you're reading. So I'll read it. Hopefully I can read. But it starts with, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and shoal, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limit of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as a day, for darkness is light to you. You see, God's with us. He's always here. And I want you to live in on a little secret. This church being a place of his presence really makes me glad. But our feeling God has nothing to do with God. God is always the same. He's the same today. He's the same yesterday. He's the same tomorrow. He's tuned into us, and he loves us. So when we feel his presence, it's not because God has shown up or God's looking at us. It has more to do with us. You see, even though God is the same yesterday and day and tomorrow, and always tuned into us and always loves us, I'm not quite so sure the same can be said for us toward God. The issue is, becomes, are we tuned into God? Well, I know we try. The easiest way I know to turn into God is through worship. And we do that. We do that well. We do that with song. And song is a great way to worship God. But it's not the only way to worship God. Isn't imitation a form of worship? They say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And if we imitate God, then we become more Jesus-like, more Christ-like. 
And isn't that our goal? Okay. When you worship the Father, do you do it as though you had to? Does it look like a burden or a task? Or does it look like you really, really enjoy and are enthusiastic about showing God how much you love him? Now, I don't want to say that the physical manifestations we do, whether we swing our arms or jump up and down, is a def definition of a heart posture, because it's not necessarily so. And heart is what God's after. But do we let self-consciousness get in the way of us showing God how much we love him? And that's a question that everyone has to answer individually. So, sorry I lost my place here. Remember Jesus? This is really a story about Jesus. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I therefore send you. Or put in my words, Jesus is saying to his church, go be me, or go be Jesus, to them. And who is them? The lost, the hurting, the unchurched. It's also the church, it's everyone. But Jesus is telling us, go be him to the world. So, what does it mean to be a place of the presence? It means we are a church that is learning to worship God with reckless abandon. Note, this will look different for everyone, and that's got to be okay. But we are also a church that understands the value of an intimate relationship with the Father. And we strongly desire this for everyone. We know what it's like to be in the love of God, and we know what it's like to be tuned into the point where we can feel it. We know the power there. Jesus wants us to share that with the world, to invite people into it. And if we truly, truly love the Father, we will do that. So, that's what it means as we are a church that loves God, tunes into God, worships God, in, what's the word, I just lost it, imitates God, there it is, and invites people into the same close relationship. What's it look like? Well, I'm not sure any of us can answer that. But I can tell you, it looks different. Remember when it said, do not be conformed to this world? We conform to heaven, correct? To the kingdom of God. So it will look different from this world. It looks like we are a people that actually live as if we have received the gift of the Father. Well, what's the gift of the Father? Glad you asked. If we look at Acts 1, 3 through 5, it says, After his suffering, and he is Jesus, he presented himself alive to them, the disciples, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, we've heard the word baptized a lot. 
But do we know what it really, what the root of the word comes from? It's kind of like being pickled. Okay? If you take a cucumber and you take the brine and you put the cucumber in the brine and leave it there, it turns into a pickle, right? When you pull the pickle out of that jar, I don't care how good you are in the kitchen, you can't make that pickle back into a cucumber. When you are baptized, it has that kind of change on you. You are different. Sometimes you don't realize it right away, and that's okay. But when you're baptized in water, you come out different. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are different. We all understand that? Okay. The concept of I have been baptized and I am still the same me is not biblical. What does Paul say? I, you are a new creation? Believe it, it's true. We are a new creation. Uh, now, Jesus said we'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What do we know about the Holy Spirit? I want to take a look at 2 Timothy 1, 7. And it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now let's look at this. God did not give us a power of fear. The word fear here is also translated as cowardice. Don't hear me say that I'm coming against having a healthy respect for adversity or opposition. If you remember during the temptation of Christ when the devil asked him to jump off the building and the angels would catch him, what did Jesus respond? Remember? Don't put your Lord God to the test. So it's not bright, it's actually pretty stupid to do something and dare God to save you. The scripture says don't do that. But that's not what I'm talking about with fear. Fear is a spirit that comes against boldness. The scripture wants us to be bold when we proclaim the gospel, when we proclaim Jesus, when we proclaim our faith. We should do it in boldness. The spirit of fear is a spirit of cowardice. It prevents that. It gets in the way of that. We good with that? Okay. Um, now, how about the rest of the stuff in there? If, he, if God did not give us a spirit of fear, what did he give us? And if you look at the words, it says, but of power. Giving us of power made no sense to me, so I pressed into that. And what I got was, instead of being given a spirit of fear, we were given a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of a sound mind. Hmm. Spirit of power. What does 1 Corinthians 4.20 say? Anyone remember it? For the, kingdom is God, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. So when God says he gives us a spirit of power, what he's doing is he's giving us the spirit of the kingdom of God. That, that's pretty cool. Now how about a spirit of love? Um, if we look at John 4, 8, First John 4, 8, it says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So if God is giving us a spirit 
of love, he's giving us the spirit of God. Hmm. So the spirit of the kingdom of God and the spirit of God himself and the spirit of a sound mind or the ability to use those things as we are expected, to, expected by God to use them. Sounds like the Holy Spirit to me, doesn't it, you? Has anyone... I'll ask that later. So, here we are. We're tuned into God. We worship Him. We're tuned into Him. And we have access to the Holy Spirit. But there's more. Simply having access to the Holy Spirit is not enough. If you remember, God said in those days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. So there's something we have to do with it. And this is a, I'm going to bring up a word that gets people all wrapped around the axle. We have to submit. We have to take ourselves, and keep in mind, we've just been told we were given a spirit of power. So we are not mindless, weak creatures. We are powerful creatures. We have to voluntarily take ourselves and submit a term that many people say is a sign of weakness, but it is not. It's a sign of immense strength. But to take yourself and put you under the leadership or under the guidance of another being or entity takes discipline, takes concentration, takes a lot of faith. Everyone agree with that? Okay. So, we have to sub subjugate, uh, subjugate ourselves to the will of the Holy Spirit. This has to be voluntary. I've never heard God say to anyone, submit. He certainly hasn't said it to me when I've done some bonehead things. He's invited me into a better way. He's suggested different ways. He's loved me even though I've been a bonehead sometimes. But he has never commanded or ordered me. Because as soon as you command submission, you're into manipulation. You cannot command it. It has to be a gift, freely given. Which means we have to give ourselves freely to the Holy Spirit. So what's this look like? Well, I think the 23rd Psalm, if you want to turn there, wraps it up pretty well. Now the 23rd Psalm, and I, I got to fess up, for a long time I did not understand this. Because when I first read it as a kid, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I thought shall not want was modifying shepherd, and I thought it meant I don't want God as my shepherd. And I couldn't figure out why it was in the Bible. But that's not the meaning at all. With God as my shepherd, there's nothing I need. There are none of my needs that won't be cared for. Now look at verse 2, 3, and, uh, two and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Really? Does God make me lie down? Or does my shepherd show me where the green pasture is and allow me to lay down in it? Hmm. He leads me beside still waters. This looks like he's taking me to safe places, places where my needs will be met. He restoreth my soul. That's pretty intense. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
so that those who follow him will look different to the world than everyone else and be at peace and have happiness and joy and everyone else will want it. That's what the set-apart people are supposed to be. Now, don't hear a prosperity gospel in there. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying there is joy in submission to the Lord. The next part of this I found really interesting. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear what? No evil. Hmm. Why will I fear no evil? Because you are with me. And this next one really got me. Your rod and your staff. Now, if you've watched the shepherd, the rod or the staff is what he uses to hook the sheep and pull them back in or to poke them a little bit and keep them in line. It says they comfort me. How many of us really enjoy being corrected? <laughs> yeah. Yet, when you trust the Lord, trust the love, trust the goodness, you realize that the correction is for our own good. And at that point, it becomes enjoyable. And this next part, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now this could be anything, but if God's preparing a table, it is probably quite abundant. It's probably overflowing. So you can imagine sitting in the midst of those who really want to do you in, and God brings out, I don't know, what's your favorite meal? Prime rib, mashed potatoes, sushi for those who like sushi, whatever you can imagine is the ultimate meal. And he's not feeding your enemies, by the way. He's protecting you and feeding you. And they get to watch. Now, what are they thinking? <laughs> my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That's pretty heavy stuff there. Now, there's an entire message in that psalm, but that's as far as I want to go into it right now. But I think that wraps up what it looks like to be tuned into God and submitted to the Holy Spirit. It's a life abundant. Jesus same said he came so we could have life and have it abundantly. And what more abundant life is there than that in God, with God's love and God's power, and doing God's mission, helping and saving the world. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So, is it important? Well, Jesus thought so. Go back to Acts again. We talked about, uh, what, three and four, where Jesus ordered the disciples to stay in Jerusalem until they got the Holy Spirit. But if you continue after that, six through eight, the disciples are asking him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he replies, not for you to know. The time is set by the Father, by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the world. Now, Jesus told the disciples not to leave Jerusalem until they had this power from the Holy Spirit. And you see, we cannot witness for Jesus. We cannot witness for the kingdom of God without the power of the Holy Spirit, 
without the love of the Holy Spirit and without the sound mind that God gives us. As I said earlier, I love my church. We are blessed with a ministry team. Andre sitting back there, Jeff here, who's our head pastor, Chip and I, that meet regularly. And the common theme of the prayer we have is that God will use us to forward his kingdom and that this, we will learn to submit ourselves to the Spirit. And I know every one of you that show up and those that are online want the same thing. Now, it's a learning process, and that's okay. It's okay that we see it differently. When the four of us get together and meet, we don't always see things exactly the same way. But the desire in our heart is to achieve what God has for us and where God wants us to go. And I think that's the critical piece. So his presence, when we come here for his presence, it's because we tune into God, it's because we submit to the Holy Spirit, and because we want to fulfill his mission. And that is the purpose of this church, and everyone here shares that same mission. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for every heart that you bring here. You're going to be up in a second, by the way. <laughs> I thank you that you chose to partner with us and that you will meet us exactly where we're willing to meet you and that you will reward us for seeking you and that you will stand with us and that you will never abandon us, never leave us all orphans. You are committed to us eternally. And I ask that you teach us how to be committed to you in the same way. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> well, it's your normal part. So, Chip, if you would come up or come down. <laughs> I'll descend. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Can we bring the lights down? What a, what a great message. Amen. Give God praise for Pastor John. Sounds like a Prince song. <laughs> but anyway, and then, uh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> you know, it's a blessing to be in a church with so many pastors andre john jeff who all preach who all have wisdom to share but since he talked about the presence let's bow our heads for a moment hey kyle can you come play i'm gonna get kyle to play in a minute i want to do something I'm going to go in a little different direction. Let's stand together. This is a, if you're wondering, hey, what's going on right now? Why do these people keep interchanging? <laughs> this is our ministry time. This is probably the most important, it is, the most important time 
of the service. If you have something that you need prayer for, me and Pastor John will be up here. Um, we still have some time, so Pastor Jeff will be up here, but at the end of the service, he's going to go out there and greet people. But so many people walk through life not ever experiencing the presence. So I want to take a minute and just sit and just wait and, and just experience the presence and see what the Lord might want to do. Because we're a presence church, not a programs church. Maybe this morning you're here and you're saying, Chip, I need more of his presence. Maybe John's had stirred your heart through the power of the Spirit. If that's you this morning, take a moment right now and cry out to him. You might want to get on your knees. You might want to come kneel down here like it's an altar. You might want to kneel at your seat. But let's take a moment and really go after this. Because some things can be taught, but some things have to be caught. Some things you have to experience. Press in until you have an awareness of his presence around you. you're here and you have a knee issue we want to pray with you so after we kind of pray in a minute you come up me pastor john pastor jeff pastor andre if he's in here i always i still used to be with the kids if you have a knee issue a knee pain or something i'm just gonna name some things i sense the lord giving me something to do with somebody's hand i don't know if it's carpal tunnel or bursitis maybe I don't even know what that is, so I think it's something to do with that. Again, somebody has a broken heart. The Lord can heal that too. This is an interesting one. If you're struggling with murderous thoughts, Thoughts of rage, thoughts of anger, thoughts of harming yourself or others. That's a spirit, and we want to pray for that too. Because you don't have to be in that bondage. 
Because the Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. So I'm going to pray. And if you have any of those things and you're comfortable, we want to pray for you personally. Our God is just so good. Father, as we move into this ministry time, I pray that, and it, you don't have to have that issue. If there's another issue you want prayer for, feel free to come up. I pray that every person, Lord, who needs prayer will get it. And that there will be no pride stopping us. Because God, your word tells us that you want to bless us. You want to heal us. You want to set us free. So many of us, Lord, are in bondage for the things that are hurting us. And we think, I can't go to God with this. What would he think? Well, he already knows. And he thinks he wants to set you free from it. Because he's a good father and a good father will not watch his kids suffer without acting. So, Lord, as we move forward, God, every person who, who doesn't need ministry, God, who is perfect, apparently, <laughs> would you bless them, Lord, and allow them, God, to just have a great week and come back safely. For every person who's here who needs ministry, God, right now, in Jesus' name, we declare and we decree in the name of Jesus that answers will be, will be given today. So bless every person here, Lord. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen.